Well, Chris, Dawson, and Beckett, thank you for leading us in worship this morning. Enjoyed that very much. Uh, We had a new member, a first-time member to our worship team this morning. I don't know if you noticed, uh, Chris's new guitar was here with us for the first time today. Yeah, yeah. Yes, it is a work of art, and, uh, but honestly, thank you so much for, for leading us in that. Um, I love that time. Uh, if you're new with us here today, um, or if you're recent, just uh, want to let you know a little bit about who we are. We are 11 months into this journey, so that means that October 2nd uh, will be our one-year anniversary. We're really excited for that. Hope that, you, uh, that we'll all participate in inviting people and, and spreading the word on that. We'll have food truck out that day and a bounce house for kids and some time afterwards. Uh, we'd like to invite the community to know um, just a little bit more about who we are and uh, our pursuits. Our pursuits are uh, twofold. Uh, uh, to create an environment in which anyone can explore faith, and then secondly, to be the hands and feet of Jesus in our community, um, that we are loving and serving and engaging uh, in ways that bring about help and healing in our community. Um, so we're excited for what is to come. I'm excited for the fall and to settle into rhythms. Speaking of which, uh, school started this week, so a lot of us sent off kids to school. Did anyone have kids cry on the first day of school? No, we didn't either. Did any adults cry on the first day of school? Now, we did have some crying on the first day of school from, from adults in our household. Maybe it was adult, to be fair, but we'll stay adults. Um, yeah, you know, it, it's exciting to get into, into fall and into new rhythms and new seasons. We've been studying as a church for some time now the Gospel of Luke. We've been studying through the story uh, that Luke records of, uh, uh, of the life of Jesus, the life and the death and the resurrection of Jesus. And um, we are coming to the end. We are in the last week of Jesus' life. And, um, and, uh, and today is a somber day. Uh, I'll, I'll just be upfront with that. Today, we're going to talk about betrayal. And betrayal comes in, in all different shapes and sizes, all sorts of different forms. Betrayal can be pretty simple, uh, you know. Yeah, you know, it, it, can, it can be simply a feeling that's kind of unwarranted, um, or betrayal uh, can, can be huge. In fact, this next slide, um, the saddest thing about betrayal is that it never comes from your enemies. Right? The thing about betrayal, I mean, it denotes that it is within the context of a relationship, in the context of a loving and trusting relationship, some sort of wrong has been done. And so today as we explore, as we continue, we'll be in Luke chapter 22, and we're going to be looking um, at a story of betrayal. Now Jesus, for, for three years now, has been um, traveling and teaching. Jesus has been playing the role of a rabbi. And in the first century, a rabbi was a teacher. They would call disciples under themselves to learn what they know, to, to learn to do what they do. And the pursuit of a disciple was, was to be like their rabbi. And so today, uh, as we read about the story of betrayal from one of Jesus' 12 apostles, one of his closest followers, we realize that in the first century culture uh, and, and context, um, this betrayal is is huge, and it's it's unbelievable that one of his closest to him would play a role like he does. Let's read in Luke chapter 22. We'll start in verse 1. Now the Feast of Unleavened Bread, called Passover, was approaching. 
And the chief priests and the teachers of the law were looking for some way to get rid of Jesus, for they were afraid of the people. Then Satan entered Judas, called Iscariot, one of the twelve. And Judas went to the chief priests and the officers of the temple guard and discussed with them how he might betray Jesus. They were delighted and agreed to give him money. He consented and watched for an opportunity to hand Jesus over to them when no crowd was present. Now, if you've been with us the last couple of weeks, uh, you were here maybe two weeks ago when um, when we had our Lord's Supper uh, gathering and meal, and um, and so that's a little we've we've stepped back a little bit in the story to hear the precursor to that meal. They they set a Passover meal together and and they shared food and Jesus took the bread and the fruit of the vine at the table and he said, um, "I'm going to suffer." but I want you to remember me with this bread and with this fruit of the vine. What's incredible to look back at now is just immediately before that, Judas, one of his closest followers, had been in the home of or the place of the Pharisees and the Sadducees with the purpose of betraying Jesus for an amount of money. You know, it it says here that Satan entered Judas, and that's an interesting phrase, Uh, probably an idiom, probably a a, a figure of speech, unless there was some uh, sort of evil power involved in this process. But certainly we see Judas making a choice in this process. And in fact, as we read through other Gospels and and read the the narrative, the story of Jesus, uh, we learn that that Judas, uh, this wasn't the first time that Judas was motivated by money. And in fact, uh, it's, it's recorded that he would steal from the money bag. He would, he kept the money bag for Jesus and, and the apostles and, and he would steal from that and, and take, uh, for his own needs. Judas' character, uh, didn't come to full fruition and understanding until after this betrayal because, uh, you might remember as Jesus sat at the table and said, someone at this table will betray me. All 12 apostles are shocked. And Judas, obviously, knowing that he is in the process of, uh, betraying Jesus is, is feigning that, um, that surprise. But the other 11 don't expect Judas. They don't expect anyone to be betraying Jesus in this moment. But behind the scenes, Judas has been playing an entirely different role than, uh, than what it appeared on the surface. It's interesting to see that Judas went to the chief priests um, to betray Jesus. So immediately following this, um, Judas has, has gone and he has uh, he has made an arrangement for money uh, to betray them. Um, I, I remember we were watching the movie Zootopia with our kids. I don't know if you guys have seen that. It's a it's a hilarious movie. I love that movie. Um, but Weaselton uh, is. A weasel who is also, you know, kind of a slimy character, right? I guess that goes hand in hand. And, and, uh, he has, uh, he has one, once again done something wrong. And so he's being questioned, why did you do it? And, uh, and his response is, they offered me what I could not resist, money. <laughs> you know, they offered me what I couldn't resist, money. Uh, and isn't that so true? So often, betrayal comes at the hands of, well, what's the most common thread of greed, right? There's got to be something I desperately want for myself to be willing to betray someone that, that, that I'm in relationship with. And we see in this story, Judas motivated by, by that money. In our lives, we've experienced betrayal. I mean, betrayal comes in business uh, when a partner uh, makes a shady deal. 
to to steal from the others. Um, uh, betrayal comes, in, you know, the form of pursuit of um, of a, a raise or promotion at our job. Betrayal comes in the form of families when, when someone says something or does something to betray trust and and hurts us. Betrayal comes in the context of friendships. We know betrayal in our lives. And it'll be interesting as we read through the text this morning, as we continue to explore um, just in our in our own hearts and minds, the kind of betrayal that we've experienced in life, and also the kind of betrayal that we've participated in in our lives. Because I know that I come here this morning having been hurt and having hurt other people in my lives. It's interesting to reflect in the story um, on both sides of the subject, have there been times in my life when I have acted inappropriate in relationship? Jesus has agreed to betray Jesus. Uh, they've had the Last Supper. They've shared their meal together. They've gone out. Last week we talked about his prayer on the mountain as Jesus is praying. Um, uh, it said that that sweat was dropping like like drops of blood from his body. He is he is terrified. Uh, he 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 recognizes what is coming and he is fearful. And uh, in verse 47, uh, the story continues. Jesus has been on his knees. He's come back and he's found his apostles asleep. And in verse 47 of chapter 22, while he was still speaking, a crowd came up. And the man who was called Judas, one of the 12, was leading them. He approached Jesus to kiss him. But Jesus asked him, Judas, are you betraying the Son of Man with a kiss? When, when Jesus' followers saw what was going to happen, they said, Lord, should we strike with our swords? And one of them struck the servant of the high priest, cutting off his right ear. But Jesus answered, no more of this. And he touched the man's ear and healed him. Then Jesus said to the chief priests, the officers of the temple guard, and the elders who had come for him, am I leading a rebellion that you have come with swords and clubs? Every day I was with you in the temple courts, and you did not lay a hand on me. But this is your hour when darkness reigns. You see the intimacy of betrayal in, in the form in which Judas took. Right? Uh, Notice how betrayal has always tried to be covered up. You know, it's never a public or even a proud moment in someone's life. But driven by greed, Judas has chosen to betray him. And the way he would do so is by giving him a kiss. He's arranged that the man that I kiss on the cheek is Jesus. It's fascinating, the contrast there between a kiss, a greeting of affection and the betrayal that is taking place, and Jesus calls him on it. Judas, are you betraying the Son of Man with a kiss? So Jesus' followers, uh, for, for so long, they have been pursuing this idea of Jesus as the Messiah, as the Savior, that, that Jesus is going to reign and rule here in Israel. But, but Jesus has realized and has explained to them time and time again that my reign and rule is different. But in their pursuit of furthering his cause, they choose to lash out. When betrayal comes, a reaction to try to get back at is so often the response. And it fascinates me the way Jesus, in a moment of betrayal from his closest apostle, in a moment of betrayal from the religious leaders of the day, he chooses compassion. 
He, he stops the fight that's about to ensue and he heals a man that is there to arrest him and eventually crucify him. The character of Jesus never ceases to amaze me. When I step back and really think about the emotion and the scene that is unfolding in this moment, and Jesus chooses healing and compassion, even in a time like this. Jesus uh, says to the um, to the religious leaders, I've been with you every day. Why haven't you asked me? You, in fact, we might be wondering, why is Judas even needed in this circumstance? Uh, they know who Jesus is. What, what role does Judas need to play in there? And it's mentioned that, uh, well, they needed to find him away from the crowd. Stopped right in front of me. And so I hit the brakes and, and, uh, and slid into the car. Um, and uh, obviously, it's a humiliating moment. It's, it's a fearful moment. You don't know how it will play out. God, God was good, though. Uh, no, one, no one was injured. Um, insurance came through. My buddy's car was covered. Uh, all that worked out. And uh, I was approached by him because his parents had approached him um, about the fact that their insurance premiums were going to change. And, and so um, I owed their family the money that that premium would change. So I gave them a fairly sizable amount of money um, to, to make up the difference, felt obligated to that. It was a month and a half later as we were wrapping up the whole process that I was talking to their insurance agent on the phone and wanting to confirm that I had covered my end uh, of the deal and found out that there was no change or any any indication that there could be a change. And when I when I spoke to him, he said they they already spent the money. Sorry, there's nothing we can do about it. And I remember, you know, it was my closest friend in college. Uh, I, I couldn't believe that um, that the story would be playing out the way that it did. I, you know, the, the tape is rolling, and 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 the why, and the did I walk into this. Also, just the embarrassment of it having been my fault in the first place. Um, but I remember moments like that in life, where where the hurt is overwhelming. The money wasn't the biggest part of it. The biggest part of it was a severed relationship, right? You probably have stories like that as well. Might might be resonating a little bit on these moments of betrayal. We'll read a little bit further in the text, and we'll talk uh, just for a few moments today about dealing with betrayal in life. See, the betrayal goes on. Uh, Jesus has been arrested. Uh, then seizing him, chapter 22 of Luke, verse 54, then seizing him, they led him away, and they took him into the house of the high priest. Peter followed at a distance. But when they had kindled a fire in the middle of the courtyard and had sat down together, Peter sat down with them. A servant girl saw him seated there in the firelight. She looked closely at him and said, this man was with him. But he denied it. Woman, I don't know him, he said. A little later, someone else saw him and said, you also, uh, you also are one of them. Man, I am not, Peter replied. About an hour later, another asserted, certainly this fellow was with them, for he is a Galilean. Peter replied, man, I don't know what you're talking about. Just as he was speaking, the rooster crowed. The Lord looked, uh, turned and looked straight at Peter. Then Peter remembered the word the Lord had spoken to him. Before the rooster crows today, you will disown me three times. And he went outside and he wept bitterly. 
you know, it's a different form of betrayal, and I, I debated on, on bringing it in. But the denial of Peter, I think, is significant. Um, as Jesus sits uh, on trial, sits in the, in the house of the high priest, knowing what is to come, uh, he can see Peter. Now, I think Peter gets a bad rap in this and a number of stories. Peter was always the outspoken one, the first to speak, the first to act. Peter's the one to dive in the water because the boat can't get back to Jesus quick enough. Like, Peter is the impulsive one. And I think it's it's fair to note that Peter was the only one willing to follow Jesus at his arrest. He was the only one there in that place. While the others scattered in fear, or we don't know exactly what they did, Peter was the one to follow Jesus. But when the rubber met the road, when he was accused, he did what Jesus had said, which was he would deny him three times. So we had the scene of betrayal. Jesus, a rabbi, uh, who we believe to be the son of God, uh, is, has now been arrested. Men with swords and clubs have come to take him to a high priest where he will be tried for crimes that are not his own. We have the story of betrayal from one of his twelve, and then we have another of his twelve weeping bitterly outside because he couldn't stand up to the test there in the moment. And I'm struck by Jesus, the peace and the humility that he demonstrates through the process. A peace and humility that is so foreign to me in times of betrayal, but a willingness to heal, to to help in whatever that circumstance is. Jesus plays that role. Um, A willingness to be led away to protect his followers by not allowing a fight to ensue. We see a peace and a humility and a love even in the most dire of moments in life. And so I want to explore today as we as we just consider and and finish out on this topic of betrayal, I want to explore uh, our response in times of betrayal. And And I'll start with an honest reflection that 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 I have betrayed people in my life as well. And it seems only appropriate to me, a biblical principle and a good way to live a life is to take responsibility for our actions, uh, to be willing to apologize, and to, be, and to have a desire to restore relationship. When we have harmed people in life, it is appropriate, as Jesus does, as this story plays out, right? Because the story doesn't end with the crucifixion, but with the resurrection and a hope extended to the very people that are crucifying him. It is appropriate in life when we have harmed others to take responsibility and to seek restoration, to, to seek reconciliation, to seek healed relationships. And, and, and equally as hard, is moments in life when we have been hurt deeply by a loved one. And it might be recently, and it might be something, we might be reflecting on something far in the past. Um, But it is appropriate uh, to again seek restored relationship. And I don't want to say this lightly. I don't want to pretend like that's easy. I don't want to pretend like there's some simple formula to, to getting over the hurt and engaging a relationship. But I do know that as a follower of Jesus, increasingly as a Christian, I am realizing the, the invite to relationship. 
A God who is love and who lives, uh, we believe in a triune God that is three parts, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, a God that exists in community, who invites us, hurting and broken people, to be in intimate relationship with him, who invites us to be a part of communities in which we know love and relationship, that invites us not just to love and know this, but our community as a whole, invites us into the world to be love and help in the lives of people. I'm, I'm continually um, amazed by our invitation to love and relationship. And so in moments of betrayal in our lives, to pursue restored relationship, I think is still the appropriate thing. In spite of that hurt, it's our natural reaction to want to retaliate. Let's be honest, culturally, uh, I think we are, uh, we're, we're told to stick up for yourself, right? This is a battle that you should fight and should win. That's, that's, that's the way we think and operate. But I'm fascinated by the character of Jesus, who chooses peace and humility, even when he's being wronged. Finally, let me say this. In, in times of betrayal in our lives, I'm comforted to know that we have a Savior, not, not a far-off God like the Greeks worshipped who were un, uh, unattainable and lived in their own world. But the narrative that we read about Jesus is that he came and he experienced, that he suffered the things. And when I'm upset about $1,000, I, I reflect on Jesus who gave his life, who lived a life of love and pursuit of good and holiness, and it landed him on a cross. And I'm comforted to know that Jesus is not a far-off God, that God is not a far-off God, but one that's chosen to know hurt and suffering, that he can be that strength and that comfort in times of our betrayal. I want to invite us this morning and in the week to come to know a God that loves, that desires to restore relationship, a God that comforts in our deepest hurts, and a God who has a plan beyond what we're experiencing and seeing in any given moment. Let's pray about that. Father, we come today on kind of a somber note. Uh, Father, as, as we read the story of Jesus' betrayal, from one of his closest and fathers. Father, we have, um, we have experienced betrayal ourselves. And I pray, Father, for the kind of peace and humility that Jesus demonstrates in this story. Father, I pray for restored relationship and opportunities to find a place of love again in our hearts for people that have harmed us. Father, I pray that in the way that we learn to love in spite of circumstances, Father, I pray that you will be glorified, that people see a goodness that comes only from you as we choose to reconcile rather than retaliate. Father God, I thank you for Jesus and for his sacrifice, for his example, and for the hope that we found in him. It's in his name we pray. Amen. Hey, friends, we have a great week ahead. I hope that it doesn't involve betrayal and hurt. But the reality is, is there may be some challenging things in the week to come.
I want us to be reminded of a good God uh, who loves, restores, and comforts, even in difficult times. I want us to live a blessed week, knowing the goodness of God. Hey, if you can join us this week, uh, Thursday, we're going to be serving a meal um, at the police station. Uh, join us that afternoon if you have the afternoon off. Let us know if you can do that. And then also a big push, uh, we're, we're going to be doing uh, building a ramp uh, for a disabled uh, gentleman and uh, doing some work on his house this next Saturday, uh, and, and we could use your help with that. So if you can help us with that, will you please talk with Sarah? Uh, let us know if you're available this next Saturday so that we know how many will be there and can plan accordingly. Hey, thanks for being here. Have a blessed week.